Welcome back to Obscure Broadcasting Podcast, Famous Last Words. This is, sorry, Jake, for you, podcast broadcast um, yeah. or no. broadcast podcast. Um, this Welcome to Obscure Broadcasting. Obscure Broadcast Podcast, and we are, this is Famous Last Words, where we talk about film reviews, we talk about, we have interviews with filmmakers, and we also talk about, um, we have video essays. Uh, occasionally we'll have insider tips, things we're working on, etc. Um, if you like us, please subscribe on the uh, social medias. And that's the official term that your grandfather uses. <laughs> and also, please check out our other podcast, Small Brains, Big Picks. Um, today we're going to be talking about Beautiful Boy. So uh, roll that Beautiful Boy footage. How's our boy, David? I'm not giving up now. Never. It's you. You always gotta be controlling everything. It doesn't make any sense. You're controlling me right now. It's you. Let us help you. I don't want you to help. Don't you understand that? Beautiful boy could easily just be how you sum up Timothy Chalamet to people, but uh, <laughs> Jake, what's this movie about? Oh God. Okay. Um, basically, this movie is about Steve Carell and. Here's the weird thing that the movie doesn't do. Michael Scott. Michael Scott. One thing it does is just... I feel like you don't really learn a lot about the characters. You're kind of just thrown into their world and you get like the surface level stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where their downfall was because like... Soon it introduces Michael Scott's son, Timothy Chalamet, and apparently he has a meth addiction. And... Who am I to care? Because I don't know anything about this character. I do like the way that opening scene is filmed there, where you only see um, Steve Carell speaking. You don't yeah. see the like other side. Um, that was it, smart. It but, adds some suspense yeah. in yeah. a way, but and I, then they bring it back later, and you do get to see both sides of the conversation in a tra- traditional like over the shoulder. But I kind of thought the way that was shot. And this is like super nitpicky, but the way it was shot was so clean and so like perfectly well lit that I thought it was like Steve Carell doing an interview on something. I I wish they had used because when they cut to the reverse, there's like the faces are being lit by this window, like really blown out against. And I almost thought it was like so well lit. It like kind of was distracting. I'm like, oh, is he doing an interview? Because you could clearly see like they had a nice. Yeah, like, no, that's what I thought too. Oh, um, maybe it's supposed to look like that. I, don't I know. thought he was talking I, about like when a when it first happened. I thought like, oh, this is like a self-aware documentary type thing. Yeah, I thought. Yeah. I mean, and maybe that's because we're so used to seeing Steve Carell in like a kind of hyper breaking the fourth wall type of situation. The old Michael Scott might have taken this, but not the new Michael Scott. They are in for a bitter surprise. I am not to be truffled with. Uh, Felix Van Gronenberg, Gronigan, who is the director, has done a fair amount of movies, but they're usually all in Swedish. This is his English debut. And I thought the movie did have, for lack of a better term, but it gets used a lot, like European sensibilities. I thought that the movie pretty much pretty quickly after, for the first hour or so, kind of guides you along in a kind of broken timeline it kind of has this first year of like the inciting time that he took meth or the first time that he didn't come home 
on time and uh, just kind of throws you into like this kind of fever dream of David, uh, Steve Carell's character's interaction and memories of his son. And it does switch perspectives quite a lot between the father and son, which maybe is a, a problem in the movie. I appreciated the nonlinear timeline of this movie because I think it it helps save it from being like a, a lifetime feeling movie because there's definitely like the subject matter, the emotional content, and even Palos. some of the cinematography yeah. felt like lifetime style. It felt like lifetime with like their first actual <laughs> budget over a hundred thousand dollars probably. But I did feel like the editing and the way that the story was told was like the good, unique part about it. I, I think I don't know. It was like I've been saying it since I saw it. It felt like they had all the right pieces of the film there in front of them, but how it was glued together, that's not how you were supposed to put it together with the puzzle because like it it came together with an image, yes, but it could have been a lot better. And also with I love the soundtrack, but like a lot of those movies, like a lot of the songs in the soundtrack aren't used in soundtracks for a specific purpose that they're kind of I don't know the word, but well, well, it's worth noting too that David Chef, the actual David Chef, the mm. is like a big time Rolling Stones writer. He uh, was the, one of the last people to interview John Lennon before he died, before uh, the song "Beautiful Boy" came out. Um, that he wrote about that John Lennon wrote about his son. Um, the music was used, and I mean this in somewhat the most like a sympathetic way the way the music was used is kind of how like when i am struggling with editing something where you drop just lots of music into a, a a sequence or something when you're editing something together it's like oh you know the scene is having some weird pacing issues let me just drop in beautiful boy by john lennon and, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden like oh my sequence is kind of working and there's a lot of music both don uh, diegetic and non-diegetic used throughout this movie either that yeah. they're listening to. I mean, I remember at one, one point I was just like, oh, this beat is really landing. Uh, near the end of the movie, they use uh, uh, Gretzky's Symphony of Sorrow, which gets used a lot. Um, it's like this big orchestral uh, piece of music with in Polish. And they use it, and they clearly were editing some sequences to this music and just because they had a huge budget, and this movie must have had a huge budget for music mm-hmm. because every song mm-hmm. is a banger. I mean, it's got David Bowie, it's got John Lennon, it's got this Goretzky piece, it's got Nirvana, Nirvana it's got, oh, yeah. yeah. I actually really like the Nirvana part. I felt like that was the best use of music in the film. Yeah, um, Because it was, it moved the story forward and it felt incredibly relevant. Mm-hmm. And it felt nostalgic. And yeah, exactly. And Radiohead. Yeah, I the Radiohead was my favorite. Where I don't remember that part. Uh, it's when he's in. Well, spoiler. It's when he's in the in the in the can and he shoots up like the last. Oh, uh, the last. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that was good too. That was good. That's yeah. where I'm like, okay, this isn't a lifetime movie anymore. That's kind of like where yeah. I'm like, okay, we're actually like we're picking up a little bit, even if it's at the end. We're actually like we're getting somewhere with the story. This was. The, it had a lot of good emotional beats. I I was emotionally taken with this movie. Um, At certain times during the movie, I did kind of have this idea that a lot of the drug movies you see, um, 8 Mile, which is a really well-made movie, uh, kind of deals with drug addiction, but it's always depicted as like kind of like... very surface level. Yeah, and white trash. Yeah. And and this was... 
at times it was I liked it at times I found it a little annoying. They were they're they're rich white people and they have rich white people houses like and problems. and problems and mm-hmm. um I was okay <laughs> with it sometimes. Sometimes I was kinda like, you know what? They often kind of paid their way out of these situations, which I I don't personally understand what Nick Chef or David Chef and his family like what they went through. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that sometimes it's kinda of like, oh, they only make one quasi reference to like, oh, this rehab costs forty thousand dollars a week, but then it's like kind of like, I guess they they didn't go there, but well, it's like they, oh, forty thousand dollars, whatever. Right? Yeah, they didn't seem to make yeah. a big deal about how much it was costing. Which so. I totally agree, but I feel like that was also, or the message of this film was like, the drug epidemic is reaching a lot of different people especially young kids of affluent families like Mm -hmm. or even like middle class upper middle class like it's you know you often hear like you see a drug addict kid and you're like oh well his parents must be like trash and he or he must be like somewhat homeless and it's like no he probably has a completely normal family and like this they're probably very loving people and they just get stuck in this trap of this like loop and struggle in the addiction and i i think this film did a really good job of like teaching a little bit more about methamphetamines especially and like what it actually does to your brain meth addiction either yeah and it's very rare it does do do, like heroin and stuff like that yeah like drug movies yeah so like it definitely is does something to your brain that like makes it even more difficult to stop even though you already probably have like the addictive tendency. Mm-hmm. So I think it did a really good job at the I, message. I'm glad you bring that up because the one thing that I think desensitized it from me is because when I saw it, I and mean, the first thing I thought was like, oh, this rich kid is addicted to drugs and he gets to go to like $40,000 rehabs for his drug addiction. Whereas like someone who is living just above the poverty level if they were stuck in the same situation they don't get any sort of forty thousand dollar facility they go to prison yeah and that's what made hit nick chef's story as hard as it was it made it less impactful towards me because it felt like just another because like it doesn't matter if nick chef was you know that he still has like comes from a successful family has a lot of money so he can bounce back from this both like if you're dealing with like an underprivileged character, it shows more of a strength and a struggle to actually like reach towards a goal, not where they have a fallback of like being able to have like their dad who's successful, who is a successful Rolling Stones writer, but like they have to do it themselves and they actually got caught in the drug epidemic that happened to all of the lower class poverty level wine families. Yeah. So I think that's what like made it less impactful towards me, but that was just me so i don't know other people felt like that but that's just what made the story less emotionally impactful for me no that totally makes sense because this is like a survival story in a way like (laughs) he survived and you know like other people from any background but probably more consistently of a middle to lower class background uh, um lower income background probably don't could not survive you know like uh, drugs like these kill people all the time and because they can't get treatment, because they don't have the help. And I mean, even with help, it's incredibly difficult, I yeah. think. So I, I do think that uh, there's lots of movies like there's movies like this that go out, come out like about either LGBTQ lifestyle or drug addiction or 
or alcoholism or I mean I'm talking about movies like with a clear like like a a, a purpose you know a purpose driven movie that it's trying to shed light on a problem then uh, the on the worst side of those you get lifetime movies that are kind of like like the preachy level is here and the dramatic storytelling is here this one I thought did a pretty good job of trying to dramatically tell their story I thought uh it was impactful and I think Teresa you made a great point is like yeah, in this level, you, you do see like this the 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 drug the reaches of drug addiction are far and and severe. Um, to wrap this up, I mean, to not to not make light of it, but to bring it back to the film portion, do you think that Steve Carell or Timothy Chalamet get nominated for this uh, come Academy Awards season? Well, Timothy Chalamet got nominated for Golden Globe for his performance mm-hmm. in this already. I'm pretty sure, and he didn't win. I don't think. I don't think it would either, but mm. um, Steve Carell, I personally think had a lot stronger performances in other films. I thought a lot of this, a lot of the acting in this felt like them reading a script, and I don't know if that's just because how the script was written or if that's just how they acted it, but it wasn't something that blew my mind. Yeah, because like, Steve Carell's had a bunch of other powerful performances this year, so I think. If anything, he'll be nominated for one of those. For Timothy Chalamet, I know he's getting nominated for for his performances in this film, but also, again, I feel like he's been in more powerful stuff, so I think he will get nominated, but not for this role. I, uh, I mean, I think he might get nominated for this role because, I mean, it was, he did a really good job portraying someone who's addicted to drugs especially these types of drugs without Mm -hmm. being overboard like Mm -hmm. i think his ups and downs were really realistic i think that they did a lot of research probably in the script of this film and he did a lot of like physical things to help make him feel and seem like an addict um just every any part where it was like things were looking up and things are going good and then instantly it's done like Mm -hmm. I've known tons of addicts, and that's just, like, exactly how it goes. It's just constantly, like, you hit the scale for a little bit going up, and then you can go right back down at any point. Yeah. And be, like, his character when he meets his uh, ex-girlfriend in the movie and get back to that certain level where Mm -hmm. you're Mm -hmm. being that desperate to do things. So that's a really real – that's a real thing. It looks overdramatic when you're watching the movie, but if you've never personally experienced, like – Dealing with someone who has a drug issue or a drug addiction, then you realize that, like, oh, that's just, like, a natural thing that could happen. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I think Steve Carell, if this maybe wasn't, like, his most captivating role in the sense... I don't think it was written that way. I think he did a good job portraying the oh, I think he did real-life a good job. person. A very flawed and character. I thought it was good, yeah. good yeah. how flawed he was. Totally. The entire time in the movie, and I even said it to you while you are watching it, is, like, I just want him to give his son a hug. Like, <laughs> the entire time, he's, like, not giving him a hug mm-hmm. when that could have just... You see, it feels like the emotional thing that should have happened. But... Well, see, and then that could have been something they should have done where they should... Like I said, they, like, the story these characters at you and you're just, like, in their life and it's not until you get to like the nirvana sequence where you see a little bit more depth into the characters maybe Mm -hmm. but like they could have done that and they could have like portrayed steve carell's character like why isn't he just like telling his son he loves him and wants like and giving him a hug and they could have gone more into maybe steve carell's character but ultimately it's nick chef's story and his dad is kind of just like the person telling it in a way so 
Yeah, but I imagine that's what the guy is actually like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like no, he, totally. Which is like the most frustrating thing is like, just give your son a hug. That's what he needs. Like, yeah. Trying to help him in all these different ways. And like, you can just, not that it's going to fix the problem, but like, give him your emotional like being. Well, I think it's, uh, I'll, I'll get the closing word. I think uh, Maura Tierney, who played Steve Carell's wife, gave an incredibly strong performance that will get overlooked at, at every turn. Um, True. It, she was not photographed super prominently in the movie, but gave a, a pretty great dramatic performance as the stepmom to Timothy Chalamet. I thought she did a great job. The scene where she chases after him in the car was mm-hmm. just like perfect. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah, without and that one could have gone really far the other way. It was perfectly yeah. executed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Beautiful Boy by Felix Van Grunigan. Grunigan. It's German, probably. So Grunigan. Grunigan. Yeah. Um, what what movie are, are we? What rating are we gonna give this? It's a little bit because it's already on Amazon Video on Demand. Mm. But um, <laughs> what rating do we want to give it, Jake? Um, oh, you need to be reminded of our scale from the bottom up. <laughs> Not my cup of tea or wine, depending on when we film these. Right now, it's a cup of wine. <laughs> Level number one is buy it in the Best Buy bargain bin. Level two is video on demand and level three is go see it in a theater okay so i think the fact that i didn't watch it till it was available on amazon prime that should just be my rating for it because that's how i ultimately felt about it because when it was in theaters i was like like i worked at a movie theater where it was showing the film and i never went on my way to go watch it so i waited until it was on amazon prime so i think that accurately describes how i felt about the movie Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm sort of torn because I mean I didn't know about this film until it was on demand so yeah. um, when I tried to compare it to other films it wasn't my favorite but can I be like in the between sure because <laughs> I think it it is a night you're like a matinee yes I, I want to add more to our scale, but I feel like this is a perfect matinee movie. Like, you should pay a little bit of money to That's see it. That's something you should run out. But, like, and yeah, go you don't watch. have to run yeah. out and see it. So. Yeah, this is a, for me, this is, yeah, somewhere in between. I, I'd go ahead and just give, from nothing from the trailers spoke to me enough to go see it in theaters. True. But uh, after seeing it, I would highly recommend it. If you think you know about drug addiction, you probably don't. So you should go see this movie, which I think pretty accurately describes it. So thank you so much for watching. This has been obscure broad. This has been a, a obscure broadcast podcast. <laughs> uh, and uh, my name is Andrew Alden. I'm Teresa Alden. Jacob Valentine. And thank you so much for watching. Like that smash button, smash that like button, and subscribe to us on whatever platform you choose. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Showing myself as Jacob Alden. <laughs>